and welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan watch movies in the cinematic canon. Today's film is Silence, directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Andrew Garfield and Adam Driver. My name is Cameron Tuttle, and I'm joined with Isaac Ransom. Isaac, how are you doing? I am well. I'm doing good. It's Monday. Spent a lot of time grilling this week, Cameron. Guess what I did today? I grilled. I'm losing it. I'm you literally can- <laughs> turning into smoke right now. Like my whole body is just fuming. I've been working in the mines. What else did know. you uh, did you grill? I just did chicken, chicken thighs. So I did pork for Cameron on Wednesday. Cameron and his fiance, they came over to hang out with Jules and I. And then I did a hot dogs on Saturday, which Cameron and his fiance were also there with some more people. <laughs> and then tonight I did... Uh, chicken thighs for um like tacos so wow. uh i think i think i'm out smoked at this point i think i need to let it rest for a couple of weeks mm, after mm. This. go back to the pan to the yeah ovens. yeah it's time i mean like the my pores are beginning to seep out charcoal at this point i get it um, and you get a little like you know you get some smoke in your throat you know and it just it feels like it the next day you know what i'm talking about yeah, yeah. no i get it yeah i can't imagine can you imagine smoking a cigar and cooking with charcoal at the same time sure yeah just breathing fire <laughs> it's kind of cool i don't know why that would be kind of cool but that sounds kind of cool no it seems one day fun. It seems i'll fun. live and do it once right <laughs> hopefully i'll live <laughs> how about you Cameron? how are you i'm doing good yeah like you mentioned we um we hung out a lot this weekend which is kind of fun we we don't usually get to hang out in person this is like our one excuse per week to to chill. Also, we've been playing video games a lot together. <laughs> so I know. That's, oh, that's absolutely cracked on Returnal right now. <laughs> the White Shadow. I was gonna ask you if you want to play afterwards. <laughs> <But> <laughs> maybe, maybe. I mean, I'm feeling that way, but about Elden Ring again, and I've gotten. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm in like a flow state today. You know. We were talking like, about that. We were talking good. about that with playing Returnal with each other too, and actually, I think. Talking about uh, this movie, there's there's kind of a conversation with Flow State where I have been kind of letting certain media just sort of wash over me hmm. in the, in a strange way, and I'm glad we waited to watch this movie because I think I needed a break after watching uh, Last Temptation, um, just because I think that was so heavy. Um, obviously, you see the title of this episode. If you didn't get the chance to listen to our conversation on the Last Temptation of Christ which is from Martin Scorsese as well. I actually really recommend you listen to that or you can continue listening to our beginning rant before we get into the film. But I feel like that's going to be heavily referenced in this episode. I don't know why I want to segue into that right away, but don't miss that episode if, if you're listening to this one or I, you know, don't listen to us either way. But yeah, flow state with media, mm. a returnal very much. You kind of just get locked in. It's like, it's strange because it's, if you don't know what it is, it's made by a developer who created like modern old school arcade shooters. So think of like um, those games where you're flying an airplane up and down and shooting and there's tons of bullets everywhere, kind of bullet hell style, but it's done in this modern third person shooter style, like, like format. And um, what's weird is that it somehow still translates exactly to that arcade shooter feel, even though it's a modern game. And you're just kind of like, you can't focus on every bullet that's flying at you, but you're kind of just dodging it and you don't (laughs) even know how you're kind of just, it's like, it's like where they say when you're driving a car, you're supposed to look where you want to go instead of look where you don't want to go because then you'll go there. It's like, that's what playing the shooting game is. You're kind of just staring at where you want to like go, but you're also avoiding stuff. I don't know. It's very cool. I could see you feeling the same way about Elden Ring. Um, Haven't you beaten Elden Ring? 
I have, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing it again, though. It's just, it, I just got an itch for that game again, you know? And that, that it, it is, it's a pretty itchy game. <laughs> I'll be honest. It's a pretty itchy game. So Stop saying itch. I got a bug bite on my leg. I literally oh, like, just need to go. <laughs> I've been scratching it at the end of the show, and now you're talking about that. My brain um, is being, my brain is going into the itch the itch state. How about that? <laughs> yeah. People are like itching their heads listening to this in the car. I'm so sorry. I feel like uh, I just broke the fourth wall. The uh, matrix is falling apart in front of you. I'm addressing it. <laughs> so, um, uh, But yeah, I mean, other than that, I haven't been watching too much. I actually don't... I can't... Oh, you know what? I did watch something this week. I watched Three Billboards, um, which is a Martin McDonough movie. It's actually three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri, but it's kind of a long title. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Martin McDonough, he, this year he did Banshees of Inishirin, which, did you see that? No, no. Oh, okay. Um, well, anyways, he's got a very sort of humorous style, um, a little satirical, a little over the top, but overall kind of this, um, you know, this this British humor he's irish i think uh but this this kind of irish humor and uh and yeah he he uh he tackles this small town you know in missouri thing um and it's just a very interesting movie it's heartfelt it's kind of sad um but also it's it's very very well done and i think i think there's a lot to love about it um, came out, I think, in 2017 or 2018, maybe. Um, but it's a great movie. If you haven't seen it, I would recommend it. I have not. The only thing I watched this week was Old by, mm. um, what's his name? The uh, <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan. The guy, yeah, M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah, he did The the Village. Um, I've M. Night Shyamalan is one of those directors that people have a strange love for that I haven't quite tapped into. Although I do like the village. I've never seen signs. Signs is like one of my dad's favorite movies ever. Uh, he always talks about it that. And like, he'll talk about like 12 monkeys or something or, or the fifth element. The, I forget who I was talking. Yeah. Do you remember you were there when we were hanging out on, on, um, on Saturday and my friend John was like, Oh yeah, your dad, uh, likes the fifth element. He must like Stargate too. And it like blew my mind. Cause it was yeah, exactly yeah. what I was going to say. <laughs> um, yeah, my dad's, my dad's taste in movies is something I reflect on constantly because he kind of, he's the one that got me into it despite what he wants to believe, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we decided to watch old Juliana also really liked the village. And I was like, there's something campy and intriguing about M night Shyamalan movies that I think, she will like this. The premise was great on paper. I'd say overall the movie was fine. It was kind of terrible when it comes to acting. Some of the delivery was fumbled all about, but there was something sort of pleasant about it being just mechanically simple. Um, I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't really have any absolute hate for it. I just kind of sat through it and walked away like, you know, there was something dumb that reminded me of a Michael Bay movie, uh, but mm. instead of it being action-packed, it was more like psychological sci-fi, uh, and it and it was messy in a lot of places. But you know, sometimes you're just kind of like, ah, I'm not going to do the cinema sins thing. I'm just going to 
just gonna let it happen you know i kind of i like that comparison actually because i think i think that's kind of right he is like a messy director Shyamalan yeah. is or at least from what i've seen he's he's kind of a messy director um but most of the time his premises are really solid and there is something that is kind of fun and endearing about his movies too mm-hmm. um and I, I me and juzo actually watched old together uh did we review it for this podcast i can't remember i don't we think so have. i don't um, think you did but i yeah I do want to say that the acting is really bad. I was surprised you didn't remember that. Like it kind of reminded me of watching Skyrim NPCs interact. Like there's something about it that was very brittle. And then the cast changes for the movie. So some of the actors get a lot better uh, as the movie goes on. But I'm sure uh, that's true. I don't know. I, I, I didn't remember that. Um, but I can imagine it now that you're saying it. Um, but, you know, to be honest, that's not really what I'm, you know, I'm not looking for, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, a, a powerhouse of an acting movie in, in a movie called Old about people getting old in like a day on the beach. <laughs> like, um, but, you know, I remember enjoying the movie, um, not, not terribly, but. Um, but enjoying the premise. And then I remember also hating the ending mm-hmm. and hating the beginning too. Actually, everything that's not on the beach, I just, yeah. I hate about the movie. <laughs> yeah. But. Well, I, I kind of wanted to bring in an audience question. This is from Tim Smith, somebody we love to hate on, but he's a close friend of ours uh, and a Patreon. Tim, thanks for writing in. He has a couple questions for the show this week. Just talking about different directors before we dive into Scorsese again. Uh, he asked this, the movie landscape is changing so fast. It seems that few, fewer and fewer directors can pick and choose what they want to make. Mm. What directors have the power to make anything they want? I don't think M. Night Shyamalan is actually in that camp, even though he believes he is. <laughs> no. And, uh, well, he he's interesting because he's pretty self-funded and he mm-hmm. has been for many years. Um you know, I think he made a lot of movie or a lot of money on um, Fifth Element, mm. um, and you know the script and whatever else. Um, but I think also his his movies have generally been you know self funded for at least the past decade. I think um, I could be wrong, but I, I'm I'm pretty sure he, you know he he is pretty much in charge of what he makes. Whether or not he gets a a massive budget, that's another thing entirely. But um, I think Scorsese is maybe the Scorsese and Nolan probably are are like the only ones maybe right now who can mm. who can basically do anything. Right, Spielberg probably, but that could be coming to an end too because he just made his two, um, he just made his two like passion projects back to back. You know his like his you know basically magnum opus movies where he's like he's like this has been a movie i've wanted to make for the past like 40 years or whatever what indiana jones 5 no 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 no. um (laughs) he didn't make that he didn't direct that um Hmm. no uh west side story obviously and um and the fablemans oh oh i didn't i actually didn't know he wasn't making indiana jones no it was um I think it was the guy who I could totally be wrong here. I think it was the guy who made Logan. Um, oh, 
Ew. Let me... Why ew? That Some of the great. early reviews came in and they were um, shocking. So Yeah, it's it's mangled. Yeah, it's mangled. Yeah. Um, which I love man- mangled. I think he's a he's an excellent director. Um, I don't remember anything about Logan, and I feel like I've watched what? the entire movie. What about Ford v Ferrari? Did you see that? No, I didn't see it. Oh, great so. movie! Both of those are great movies. Um, mm. But that, I mean, it's not surprising that this movie is going to be terrible. So, <laughs> <laughs> I hope he did a Last Jedi thing. <laughs> <laughs> or like a force so awakens weird. thing where he like kills off uh Indiana Harrison Jones Ford just again. gets shanked with like a scimitar looking weapon or yeah. something in the back yeah right at cool. the beginning yeah and it's mutt it's his son mutt yes <laughs> mutt shanks him with a pocket knife <laughs> then Indiana Jones daughter picks up the whip and hat and says it's my time to shine, Dad. She doesn't even say sorry. She just says, it's my time to shine. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, well, can't um, wait for that. Yeah, well, anyways, uh, what was I saying about... Oh, we we were talking about Tim's question. Um, no, I think, I think Scorsese is one because um, he's making... Uh, three and a half hour movies at this point, and that's kind of your tell that you can do whatever you want. Mm. Also, um, he's making movies. He's doing this by choice now, but he's making movies with Apple and with Netflix, who right. also give him the ability to just do whatever he wants. So mm. that is, but that doesn't people you know Apple and Netflix they don't just give that out to everybody you know um as far as other ones i mean i think nolan probably is in that camp too but i think he wants to make big action uh like blockbusters so Mm -hmm. you know that's not you know that's not too different i would say um fincher I don't know if he has that much cachet with the studios. Um, and he's been doing like TV and kind of floating around. Obviously, Mank was, you know, again, a Netflix one. So um, that I think he was able to do whatever he wanted, um, which was probably a bad choice. Uh, yeah. And then otherwise, I just don't think there's that many directors who can. And I think a lot of the talent, like we've been saying, is going to TV Um and there's, you know, there's less control. I think there's less control in TV when you're, when you're directing. So, um, mm. you know, it is a weird changing landscape. I agree with you, Tim. Yeah. I don't think I could tell you which directors I would be like, oh, they, they really couldn't make something or they could. It feels like if a director is pushed into a corner, they somehow eventually get the chance to self-fund or create something that they actually really want to make. Um, and it's usually either obscure, like beloved by his fans because there's no marketing, right? Um, or, uh, you know, for so, so, something of, of, of a mix like that. I mean, somebody that I think about is Villeneuve, who we've talked about a lot on the show. Um, I feel like you could name his big movies, but like um, when we reviewed, what is it? Uh, gosh, the, no, the one with Gyllenhaal. Um, oh, Enemy. 
enemy. Like that movie was like a, a really weird underground movie and it was made for a lower budget. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he just wanted to make that more than the chance to get the fun. So, so I, I mean the, the the movie landscape is changing fast. Yes. Just from some experience that I have with my father-in-law, who's working with pitching different, um, documentary stuff that he's working with. Um, it's interesting because yes, things are changing quickly, but if you are self-funding and creating things, there's a hunger for content on these streaming services and they'll churn through your stuff. Then it's not saying it's going to blow up. It's not saying it's going to be marketed very well. Um, they might take it and it might be lost forever there. Right. But, um, I do think if, even if you're a smaller director and you somehow find a way to churn up a smaller project. I mean, I think like, I always think of that movie, um, blue ruin. Didn't we watch that? Yeah. Like what would blue ruin do if it was released like today? (laughs) And I don't think, I actually think it could have had a shot on one of these streaming services. You know, probably, it, although I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, I think it might have been direct to streaming or direct to, I think it was like an early one of those. I actually think that's a, that's a bigger advantage for directors to have the opportunity to make whatever they want. Yeah. Um, the studio system has been flipped around in, in, in a weird way. And so the, the studios have created their own streaming services and diversified with that, but new players like Netflix. Um, there's just, I just feel like there's, it's gonna, it's split open for a second. If you were going to make something, you should have made it now. Uh, and then it's already in a state of consolidating again, consolidating the power, um, with the entertainment. So, um, that's kind of my, my broad overviews. Maybe I'm making long strokes, but whatever. Um, Cameron, I think it's time to get into the movie before we do that. I uh, just want to do some shilling. If you enjoy the show, if you like what we're doing, uh, thank you for listening. Just giving our show a rating, uh, sharing it with friends, all of that stuff helps it grow. We appreciate the support. We appreciate you spending your time here with us as well, uh, listening to our production. We're very happy to be doing it, and we're very excited to be reviewing this movie, especially because we've been teasing it the last few episodes. If you want to throw a couple dollars away, have your opportunity, have an opportunity to have your questions read on the show, just like miserable Tim. Uh, you can support us at patreon.com slash ECFS productions. Throw a couple of bucks our way. Get that benefit. All of it helps. We just thank you guys for being here. We hope you enjoy the podcast. We hope you have a great rest of your day as well. Cameron, give us some context about silence and maybe even a little bit of context about what we've been talking about with Scorsese on this show as well. Yeah. Um, well, silence is the 2016 um, follow up to uh, the Wolf of Wall Street, actually. So it came out three years afterwards. Not follow-up as in, you know, it's a sequel or anything, but follow-up as in it's Scorsese's next movie. Um, and, you know, it's kind of being dubbed as an unofficial sequel to... Um, s- sequel. This is, like, super loose. But um, they call it Scorsese's religious trilogy. Um, so it's... It's this movie, uh, Last Temptation of Christ, and Kundun, which I've never seen, but um, that's kind of uh, kind of what people have dubbed this movie. Although, you know, to be fair, people have not dubbed this movie very much of anything because when it came out, it 
bombed horribly in the box office. I think I was one of like five people who saw the movie. Um, uh, it made like $22 million and had a budget of 50. Uh, so not so good. Um, also, I mean, you know, to be fair, it's not like this was going to be a box office hit <laughs> to begin with. It's a movie about uh, 17th century um, Jesuit priests who go to Japan and endure lots of suffering. So, um, you know, not not quite the best uh, the best pitch uh, in terms of getting the audience engaged and and you know wrapped along with you, especially you know considering 2013, which was a really big hit. Um, with the Wolf of Wall Street and just a radically different kind of movie. Um, but then we've been talking a lot about Scorsese and sort of his, um, his role in modern cinema and sort of my own, you know, film journey in some ways. Um, and then, you know, exploring the sort of more deeper and more personal side of his, of some of his movies, um, which is why we watched Last Temptation of Christ, because I, I think there's something quite um, interesting about that movie, especially about the controversy of that movie. Um, and then, you know, the the follow up to that, which is this one as kind of an older, much more, uh, I would say mature, but also, you know, he's he's kind of in in his, um, you know, the last stages of his filmmaking career in some ways um you know he's uh he's 80 years old now so this was kind of a a a return to a certain you know spiritual side of scorsese um a reflective part of of his own you know journey um and you can obviously tell just by watching this movie that it was not made for anyone else but um but for Scorsese and his his own sort of um, challenge as someone who is Catholic, um, and you know, as someone who who has you know personally dealt with a lot of struggles with his faith, um, and I th- I find that to be one of the more interesting aspects of watching this movie, which is you really walk away from it being like tumbled in this um spiritual journey that never um you know it's it's really wrestling with the the thoughts of um you know of someone who's who's kind of not just questioning faith but also um taking it very seriously and taking the um the you know the doctrine taking faith and spirituality um being very contemplative of that. Um, and, you know, you could tell it's a very personal movie for, for Scorsese. So this is based on a book, um, uh, I think, named Silence. Uh, I could be wrong there. But, um, yeah, it, it kind of chronicles this period of Japan and, um, and chronicles this... Uh, tumultuous time for for these you know Jesuit missionaries, um, but yeah, that's kind of the thrust of the movie. Isaac, I want to know, I want to know what you thought about this movie. Um, did you like it? Did you hate it? What did you think? 
Yeah. Um, this, I had never heard of this movie outside of what Cameron was share. I mean, shared, right. Most of the movies that we watch on the show are, are programmed by Cameron. Um, and so going into it, Cameron was like, Hey, you know, this is about missionaries being tortured in Japan, uh, 17th century. Um, I love this film. And so I was like, yeah, this sounds like a real downer of a movie, <laughs> you know? I was like, I don't know if I'm really super interested in watching it, but only off of Cameron's recommendation. Um, Cameron and I grew up together in the church. Uh, exploration of faith in Hollywood movies is always a touchy subject, and I love to dig my teeth into it because, like, um, you know, despite the amount of hate that, Christians give about to, to, to movies made in Hollywood kind of trying to explore faith. Um, it's almost like they would prefer the Wolf of wall street than any approach, uh, to genuinely address faith in a serious light. And I think the box office reflects that. Um, and so I'm willing to take a chance on some of these movies even if they are blasphemous, even if they are a little bit far from what I personally believe is the truth. Right. And with this film, I was, I was actually really surprised how, how engaged I was with it and how much I ended up enjoying the movie all the way through and through. Now, I don't think that this movie is a complete accurate real representation of, of, you know, things explained and explored in the Bible. But again, it's much more reflective on somebody's personal faith journey. And so we could, and, and we will probably dig into some of the theological ma- uh, matter because I have a past in ministry. I don't want to, you know, speak on it with full authority. I don't have any kind of doctorate or anything like that. Um, but I think the first thing to kind of address is that it's so clear when you watch this movie that Scorsese is reflecting on his personal um, struggles with his faith. And it's it's directed in a perspective that's uniquely um, centered around leadership uh, in in your faith, setting an example in your faith. Uh, actually, I think this is probably one of the most important Hollywood movies that someone could watch if they work for a church. Mm. Um, because I did spend time working in the church, and that was this movie. I think to me, like summarizes a lot of the conflict that I found myself in when I was working for a church. Kind of asking, like, what are we actually doing this for, right? Um, and what, like, what is the core of like what I what I believe when I'm, when people are looking up to you to be a leader, right. Uh, and you're talking about this stuff and you're like, I say, I believe it, but now like, it feels like it's somehow impacting people's lives in this, in this way that I'm guilty about, or I'm, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm doing something wrong, even though I thought I was doing the right thing, you know, by, by being some kind of leader in this regard. So I think the movie connected with me like in a very personal way in that, in that area. Um, and just on, on the viewership side, I actually thought it was also quite compelling. Um, the movie does a lot with changing up the set, changing up, um, 
kind of the the misery that's presented in the film. I, I think that's that's one of the things I really enjoyed is off from the beginning of the movie, you kind of witness some people being tortured for, you know, saying that they're Christians and they're having this hot water poured on them and it's it's graphic and it's it's horrific, but it's it's not too like crazy. I mean it's literally just people's like skin turning red and they're like shouting. So it's nothing like skin peeling off their back or anything. You know, like the yeah. movie does a good job at like being like, this is difficult to watch, but it's not like disgusting. I actually said this before you started recording. I was like, Wolf of Wall Street was far worse to watch <laughs> for me than this movie. Like this movie is like it's torturous to the point where you're getting it, right? Yeah. Um, but what I appreciate about the movie is that it like because I was like, oh, I'm gonna have to watch one of these torture porn movies. Like, I don't really want to watch this. Um, the movie like shows something like that, and then it never shows it again, mm-hmm. which I thought was very, um, very good for keeping an, an audience engaged. And it also adds to like kind of this this horror element or this like fear that you're experiencing because um, when the movie starts, like the two missionaries uh, land on the island and there's kind of like this sort of like Lord of the Rings esque moment where they're, they're like kind of crawling through the cave and (laughs) you're really scared. You're like, I really don't want to be put back to that place with the steaming, you know, water. Like I don't want them to go back there. I don't want them. They're going to get captured right away. And the movie does a great job with pacing it. So you're like, you're aware of the danger at all times. And then it kind of subverts that expectation of the danger with uh, the culture kind of reacting differently. Um, the the kind of the, um, what is it? The ins- Not the insurgents, is that? What are the inquisitors? Mm-hmm. The inquisitors showing up and instead of lining people up in a death row, they kind of show up and they're like, well, we'll give you guys some time to think about it, you know? And that almost makes it more scary, right? Like yeah. there's like, they do all these things that kind of, keep you engaged with like the inquisitors sort of being like this stormtrooper force, but they're not a firing squad. There's like a cultural war going on, you know, in, in this place. And it's, it, it, the, the entire structure of the movie, I think, um, really culminates to that final decision in an engaging way. And you said this also before we started, started recording, but you said, I feel like it goes on for almost, 10 minutes too long or 15 minutes too long. And I agree. I feel like everything's paced really well up until, um, a decision is made that you've kind of been led up to for the whole movie. And once that decision's made, then it just kind of lingers too long <laughs> at the yeah. last bit. Um, so from a, from a film perspective, uh, I, I would say like, good, I give it a thumbs up from a personal perspective. I was much more connected with it. Um, than I expected to be. And um, I guess on the on the theological front, uh, just coming from my, like looking at it from like the Christian perspective, I, I do think that this movie is um, excellent and you should watch it as a Christian, but it's very complex. Like, oh yeah, I found I I found it like, like, like I was really like the the gears in my head were smoking by the time that this movie finished. Yeah. Um, 
Now, if you're going to go in there being like, I can't wait for them to read scripture. I can't wait for them to explain the nuance of sharing a gospel, uh, being evangelical as a missionary. Like that's not what this is. Right. Um, although there are some, some great, like little, little nuggets dropped in there, um, around some difficulties with missions work outside of it being like a country that wants to kill you and you're not allowed to be a Christian there. Like it actually gets into some of the missionary stuff more, um, more seriously than I expected from this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a cousin who's a missionary in Nepal and some of the things that um, Liam Neeson's character in the movie says um, about how the culture hears the translated representation of the gospel differently than what you think you're saying yeah. uh, is exactly what my cousin said uh, after living in Nepal for a long time being like, well, you go there and you try to explain, you know, Hey, like, you know, this is what God says, you know, in the Bible. And this is what the truth is, right? As a missionary, they're like, oh, that's great. In our culture, there's plenty of gods. This is such an interesting idea. You know, they, 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 they're not negative towards it. They're in, in Nepal. They're like, cool, we'll put him on the podium. Like the idea, the idea of like, what is it? Deism, right? Like single God religion. Like that, that concept doesn't exist in their culture. Right. So to kind of approach missions work, and I know this is a tangent, right? There's so much complexity to it that I think that this movie actually somehow got around to explaining, even though it was supposed to be like, you know, you're religious and you're going to be prosecuted uh, just for going there. Right. Um, So. Yeah. Well, I love just I love the themes that it's talking about when when he's, you know, he's talking about how strong their their faith is and how um deeply he feels, you know, the purpose of his mission um even though this is, you know, a, an extremely dangerous thing for for everyone involved. Um and there's something there's something very soul-crushing and um and heartbreaking at the same time when you know when you hear Liam Neeson uh, at at sort of the end um being like you know it's it's not getting through to them basically what you think is getting through to them it's it's not the case and it's it's something that i think everybody who not even who who does missionary work but i i think everybody who has even thought about the um, we were just having this discussion earlier about the translations that you use of, of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Everybody who's even, who's even thought about that has come to the same sort of realization of it's possible that I just don't know what, you know, what, what is meant by this passage um, because it's right. And, and, that, and that is why so many pastors like slave away to learn some of the original text as well. Cause there's a lot of nuance Actually, probably some of the best uh, biblical teachers that I've experienced. I know you would probably feel the same way, Cameron. Some of the best preachers like go out of their way to tangent on single lines of text yeah. because they're like, well, first of all, let me explain like some of the Latin context for why it's, it's spoken this way. Um, and they come with a historical authority as well that I think probably most people don't um, – have and I'm not saying that 
I mean, the counter opposite is that the church would control uh, the Bible and Martin Luther made sure that that didn't happen. So I'd rather have the shakier translations than, um, I guess, us just having to trust people in the church for <laughs> reading it. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is this is why some some Christians get very upset when you're not reading the Bible that has the the them you know, blah, 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 you know, like, like just the long old English style or whatever. But, but in, in that same sort of vein, I mean, you know, these kinds of finer theological, um, issues, that's what I mean when, when I say like this movie takes itself very seriously, takes the, takes faith, Mm. takes the expression of, um, being a Christian, being, you know, a missionary, it takes all of that so seriously. Um, in basically no a way that I don't think I've ever seen in a movie ever. Like even the the goofy, um, God's not dead movies. I don't even think they're serious about you know what what the what the thought of you know being a being a Christian is. So like this movie is extremely, um, you know it's it's actually very deep in that way. Um, yeah, and I think. You know, it probably makes a lot of sense uh, for for you know people who aren't you know that connected to to Christianity, or people who kind of just walk into this wanting a Scorsese movie. It probably makes sense that they would be like, "What is this? Like, this is not very interesting." <laughs> you know what I mean? Right? Because it's because right. it's kind of it's kind of deep in there. It's like reading like. Um, you know, a, a theological textbook in in some ways, or at least just the the discussions of someone who's really wrestling with um, with this sort of thing, with with theology, with philosophy, even you know, to some degree, a mixture of um, you know, or the the conflict between the Eastern and Western sort of religions, and then trying to integrate some of those ideas. Um, together um you know even that is is sort of a deeper thought than you get with most (laughs) movies that are about this topic yeah so so one of the things that we do and what and something that we will do on this show is read some of the google reviews but um one of the more negative reviews said that they didn't like that the the film like didn't tackle some of the um more political aspects of religion during the 17th century. And I disagree. Yeah, like, that's I feel totally like not true there, at all. there are <laughs> things that are completely brought up um, in this movie that, that add a deep um, kind of like, or like the deep state in Japan is, is somewhat explored and the way that like religion factors into that despite, um, Andrew Garfield being a little unaware of what those countries are kind of fighting about. He's yeah. a missionary from Portugal. Yeah. Well, I mean, the whole conversation that he has with um, the Inquisitor is about um, the sway of other cultures in uh, in Japan and how that, yeah. you know, Japan needs to be basically like very closely guarded. Otherwise, you know, these different cultures are going to to you know take over and like and i and i just want to be like totally for the record here i'm glad you brought up god's not dead (laughs) 
because the debate between the Inquisitor and him in that prison <laughs> is probably one of the most realistic depictions of a conversation around faith yeah. that you'll get, right? I mean, nobody sits in a stupid classroom debate and has like this like I'm gonna nuke you conversation like you know change my mind moment uh, when they're genuinely interested in having a conversation about like religion and truth right unless it's some showy YouTube video that somebody's been working on right um, like it it usually goes in a direction where you're not sitting there quoting passages of scripture uh it's usually you're talking about your faith right and someone brings up something that you're like what are you talking like that's not really what i wanted to talk about you know like i and and they're like well this is what i want to talk about you know and this is why why like this is the questions i have about regarding your religion completely outside of what you care about and that puts you in this awkward position of of either reciting um stuff or engaging in a conversation with someone that's much more um that's much that's much much deeper yeah um and i'm not saying that people shouldn't be evangelical and shouldn't feel like they they share their faith i think there's definitely a time and place for that i've had moments in my life where i've had time to kind of break it down and explain it um but that doesn't happen like in the first conversation, you know? Um, well, I think even that, <laughs> you know, but, but they're talking about this. Um, they're having this back and forth that on one level, you know, Garfield is trying to, to fix it to what he knows, which is, you know, scripture and, you know, his, his sort of expression of faith. Um, and the inquisitor is working on just a fundamentally different understanding of what, um, of what Japan is, you know, what's happening in Japan and, and how they're, you know, it's not really a personal thing. He's not going after Andrew Garfield because he's, you know, a Christian or whatever. He's going after him because, you know, the, the, you know, the role that he's put in makes it so that he sees Christianity as an enemy to the people of Japan. And, you know, and so there's this, there's this just like fundamental offset in the conversation to begin with, and so half of the time, you know, Garfield is trying to, is trying to, to ground it to what he knows, but he's sort of, he's sort of unable to reach up to the level that, um, you know, the Inquisitor is talking about, and there is always something. I feel like that's true when you have religious conversations too, because. Some sometimes when you're talking to someone um, on a level that is you know personal and meaningful to you, um, you're just missing something that is going on in their life, or you're missing something that yeah. you know is what they're talking about. Um, you know, and they're they're going to be like, well, yeah, but you know, why why do what you know why do bad things happen to good people? Blah blah blah. You know, and they. And there's this, you know, there's this like stock answer, but the real answer is, is something much more, you know, either personal to them or something that's working on just a deeper level that you're not seeing yet because you don't know the person. Um, I think about, I mean, this movie made me reflect on some of my early time 
in my faith where I was doing a Christian club at my school and I had more of those comical sort of like, um, ah, like, I don't know what the right word is. There are moments I'm very proud of, but they're still, I like, I don't know who was actually drawing closer to God because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in some ways, one moment that I'm, I'm really proud of is that I practice, and this is actually, this is more American than Christian. <laughs> <laughs> but uh we were giving out um like just bibles for whoever wanted them and i had like a god's not dead moment with this guy this teacher who walked in me says you got to put these away like i'm gonna make sure you don't graduate that's what he said to me to my face <laughs> and i at that time i was like really into like libertarian history and stuff so <laughs> i was like i just want you to know it's my right to have this and he's like, well, I'm going to be talking to your parents. I'm like, go ahead. <laughs> like, man, dude, get get my dad like to stop hating me so much. Like he might actually be proud of me for once, you know? Like, <laughs> please, would you give him a call? Yeah, he wasn't very happy with me. Um, but like a, a moment like that, like that feels kind of like what watching some of the moments with Garfield being like, you know, standing up for 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 something, which I think there's a time and place for that, but it's interesting how this movie demeans some of that martyr action Mm -hmm. because it's reflected in a position of pride. Yeah. Not, not, not pride for, uh, or not from a love of like God, which I think is shown in one of the scenes where the villagers are being crucified by water, uh, in the scene, I, I felt like that that scene moved me oh, with 100%. that guy just be, oh, being so there. Sad. Like <laughs> it's like that's a true martyr, right? Mm-hmm. But for some reason, you don't get the feeling that Andrew Garfield's a a real martyr. You know, yeah. like and, he's and even um, Adam Driver's character to some degree. Yeah. You know, you don't get a lot of characterization for him, but he always just seems sort of stern and a little bit hard line, and you know. Garfield is having this like struggle of what do you do when you're put in this this position? I guess that's that's the central question that, right, that is right. going along this movie is what do you do when you're when you're asked to um nothing else but simply denounce your faith um publicly. Um is it better to do that and save the lives of, you know, how however many um, or to continue, you know, sort of stubbornly um, proclaiming your your faith and and like you said, die as as a martyr, or sacrifice other people uh, for your own martyrdom. Um, and you know, Adam Driver's character, I think, is always shown as being this very staunch. Um, you know, you know, I would never denounce my faith. Where Garfield's character is much more. Um, not to say wishy-washy, but in in some ways he's he's he has maybe the more human reaction, which is I'm not sure what the answer is. <laughs> you know, I don't right. know. Um, do I die for you know, or do I sacrifice the lives of others uh, for this faith, um, or do I say that I denounce? Do I lie and continue practicing and continue believing? Um, what's the better outcome here? And 
I think that's a very uh it's a very deep question in in one level because um by the end there there isn't necessarily a clear answer. I mean, I think the movie sides on on one side of it more. Um but I think I think in some ways the answer is very ambiguous. Um and it's it's the struggle of the entire movie, you know. And and I think one thing that's that I f- I found funny. So I I watched this movie with with Juzo and um, uh, when it originally came out in 2016, actually, and he, we walked out of the theater and I was like, oh man, that was like that was so moving and you know there's something about it that wait what Dr- Juzo Greenwood uh, wrote into the show and he said. <laughs> How did Scorsese fumble his streak this bad? Okay, continue your story. Yeah. Um, so you know that's his that's his opinion of of the movie. But but you know I walked out. I was like, it's so moving and so meaningful. Like, and the struggle of of that question is is so real. Don't you think, Juzo? And he was like, Nah, you just step on it. It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> you know? And so like, and and I get. I get that. I get why that is the answer in his mind to the question. Um, but I think, I think, you know, for, for, you know, us who have grown up in the faith and, and you brought up earlier this, um, this verse in, in Matthew that talks about, you know, denouncing Jesus and being denounced in, in heaven. Right. It's this un it's a unforgivable sin section that obviously there is some translation, but this is NLT. It's Matthew 10. I'll read it for you. I actually, if the movie opened with this, it probably would have been a little easier for Jesus to understand maybe the major conflict maybe in it. But, um, cause if you don't have some of this, this background, although it's, and and we'll explain why I actually didn't think of the verse until I started reading. Um, so Matthew 10, 32, this is Jesus talking. Um, everyone who acknowledges me publicly on earth, I will also acknowledge before my father in heaven, but everyone who denies me on earth, I will also deny before my father in heaven. Um, it's a heavy chunk of scripture that I don't have the theological background to fully dig into. But I think what's interesting about that in Matthew 10 and what you brought up um, is that Peter, one of his uh, most faithful uh, disciples in the gospels, denies him three times during his crucifixion yeah. in scripture, right? Um, and there's something about Peter, if you read the Gospels, he is that guy that is dumb and favored by Jesus, where Jesus is walking on water. Peter's the one that's like, I see he is God. I'm going to jump out of the boat and run after him. And the scripture talks about how Peter walked on water for a second. You know, it's like, that's how much faith he had. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then began to slowly sink. Right. (laughs) And so like, um, it's, it's fascinating how scripture is able to show these different perspectives interacting with Jesus who claims that he is God. Right. 
and for Jesus' teaching to call that out before his trial of crucifixion, almost setting up some sort of example for Peter to set where he denies him multiple times. He even foreshadows in the Gospels to Peter saying, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter says, no, I would never. (laughs) I would never deny (laughs) you, my Lord. Um, And of course, with Jesus resurrecting three days after coming back and interacting with Peter, um, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a profound, unexplainable um, love that's represented in the Gospels. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I think, you know, Peter, just for a little more context, Peter is known as the rock of the church. Um, yeah. You know, so even after this, um, you know, example of, of, you know, him blatantly doing what's described in this verse, which is denying Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. He's known as, as, uh, the the rock of of the church and um you know there is it there is forgiveness there in my mind so i i don't i wouldn't say that this is the unforgivable um you know sin something that you can never come back from obviously it's not because peter did you know and and so there's something much more um there's something deeper that's going on here i guess so yeah, and if you were to read the scripture and think that, you know, to say like, oh, well, Peter is not in heaven, right? I would say <laughs> you probably haven't considered scripture enough. Because um, there's there's a lot, to, I mean, again, I'm not even claiming I'm an expert. I've been alive for 26 years. I've read um, the Bible for a long time, and there's still new context that I feel like is seeping out of the text. Um, and so... I don't know, like one of the reviews that I had pulled up was going to discuss that. Um, But I think just getting back to the film review, right? The concept of denouncing God is, it is a, like it is a heavy thing. Yeah. Um, Although I will say to Jesus credit, there's a part of me that's like, well, as a believer, I've always been like, you can't really necessarily judge a person's heart, you know, yeah. where exactly they're standing with God. Christians like to say, oh, well, you can tell if they're believer or not. But, you know, I've been to plenty of funerals with those Bible bashers that suddenly they have a different opinion now that that person's six feet under, you know. Oh, now, whoa, you can't really judge a person's heart. Well, you sure did when he was alive. So, <laughs> you know, like, I, I think there's a ton of complexity to it. Yeah. And putting yourself in those shoes, right. Um, there's a part of me that when I was watching it where I was like, what is, what is strategic, um, (laughs) at this point, you know, like there's, there's, and, and they kind of show you that with that one character who's like constantly getting out of it, you know, which is also another, a great addition to the cast. I'm sorry. We're going to, we're, we keep side, uh, tracking onto theology, which I love, but I want to get back to maybe the full um, kind of experience of the movie and maybe some of the other cast members as well. Um, so I'm going to pull up the cast here in a second. But let me see if I can find that. Really quickly. Uh, cast. So yeah, there's Adam Driver, Liam Neeson, 
Um, let's just give a little bit of context on everyone. Andrew Garfield's the main kind of like soft-hearted guy who's struggling through this as a missionary there. Liam Neeson was a missing missionary who stuck in Japan uh, and had um, sort of mysteriously, he was alive but not martyred. And people had claimed that he um, he had renounced his faith and was just living there. Yeah. So he comes into play. Adam Driver is sort of Andrew Garfield's like buddy. They get separated, um, and uh, Adam Driver eventually kind of, um, well, I guess spoilers. You know, he kind of he kind of runs into his own troubles there. Um, and the interpreter character, who's part of um, the uh, Inquisitors, is incredible. He's so good. <laughs> I'm going to mess up his name. Was it? Uh, Tabanodu Asano, I think. Yeah. He is like, he steals the show when he, when he shows up. He is so awesome. And same with the other Inquisitor, the old guy. Uh, is he, yeah, he is like, <laughs> he is really cool on screen as well. Um, he's got like this menacing Emperor Palpatine kind of <laughs> presence, but, but also he's kind also, of funny. <laughs> yeah, he's funny. He's in. He's strangely like like your grandpa for a second. Yeah, he's a very confusing character, um, and like I think the best way to put it is he he's round mm-hmm. for what could have been a two note um, villain, definitely right. And then I think it's uh, Mokichi in the movie. Is that the guy who keeps running, no, it's running away? Kichijiro. Oh, Kichijiro. Yeah. Kichijiro. He is like the Gollum <laughs> character that keeps, you know, <laughs> keeps like, he he's the one that gets them there in the first place. You know, Andrew Garfield and Adam Driver are constantly thinking he's going to portray them. Uh, he he continually steps and denounces his faith to get out of being killed, which is like in the movie, it's not funny, but the amount of times that he just kind of runs away in his like his little outfit and whatnot is, uh, it, it, it is kind of funny looking back on it. Um, so they, they really set up a lot of characters to, to, um, to, to string you along the journey. The cinematography is incredible. Oh, so the Island comes to life. It's just the settings that kind of slowly, you know, sway in and out of of the plot just have more and more depth from the first time that Andrew Garfield goes to Goto and then his second return to it. Mm -hmm. Like it's a completely different village and he's like climbing along the hills and stuff. And then, then the moment where he gets caught by the river and there's like, uh, where he gets kind of pulled into civilization. There's a completely different feel at, at, at that point. Um, all of it is so to me, like I, I was, I was just surprised that I wasn't more bored in the movie. <laughs> that was genuinely, I was like, I was like, Oh man, I'm just going to be, it's going to be like, Oh man, I'm trying to think of, of a movie that I thought it was going to be like it. Well, I didn't see the new one, but I remember watching the old all quiet on the Western front where it's just like, treacherous waiting mm-hmm. uh, in world war one and then being stuck in the um i don't know you're, you're stuck in like the hospital with the characters and she's like this is just like a miserable story <laughs> i'm sorry for anyone that thinks all quiet on the western front is great like it's just miserable you know 
You're stuck in miserable trenches waiting. That's You're stuck point, in the hospital Isaac. waiting. That's the point. It's supposed yeah, it's to be just, miserable. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought this movie was going to be, and I didn't think it was. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I guess I wanted to... I'm sorry we didn't get more context to some of these characters if you haven't seen it. Um, but I... I, I don't know. Do you want to add anything to the characters, Cameron, before I kind of sway the conversation back into some theology stuff? No, but do you think we should spoil it, or are we are we keeping it? I mean, we yeah. we were. Uh, I think we've kind of veered away. We're going to dig full in towards the end. Okay. So, um, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I think that's all. I mean, obviously, they're, they're like the, the villagers who kind of play uh, minor character, characters. Um, the guy who, you know, it takes three days to, to drown him on the mm, cross. Mm. Um, I think his name is Mokicho. Um, yeah. And, you know, these sort of, the minor characters, they're all um, minor, definitely, uh, but you, you feel for them quite a bit. And I think mm-hmm. that's something that is really well done where, you know, it could have just been, like you said, you know, sort of torture porn and these are kind of NPCs who are just getting tossed in like rice mats uh, in the river or whatever. Um, but you really do feel like not only are you supposed to feel bad for these people, but, uh, they definitely feel bad for these people, you know, in, in sort of the, the context of the world. Um, and so, you know, there is, there is something, um, that is engaging about that. Cause you really don't, I mean, it is menacing when, when the inquisitor comes, to that first town and he kind of lines everybody up and he's like, I'm going to give you a couple days, but, uh, here's, you know, give me four people and we're going to, we're going to bring them back to, to Nagasaki, you know? And there's something, there's something very, um, very dark about that, that whole setup. Um, Mm. and you know, and, and, uh, Mokichi, he's, you know, he's saying like, we pay our taxes and we, you know, we're, we're good. You know, we, you know, why do you, why do you have to come and harass us? Um, you know, and there's, there's something very, um, yeah, it's, it's, it is pretty villainous. Um, and, and whether or not, I think, I think one other thing that, that is really interesting that's explored in the movie is, um, sort of the impact of the missionaries who, you know, go there, and, uh, you know, they're, um, you know, spreading the gospel, but in some ways everybody around them kind of sees them as, or the people who are against them, I guess, um, see them as being kind of selfish for bringing so much pain on the, the people and bringing so much suffering on the people. Right. But then to counterbalance that a bit, um, the the inquisitor is is a really menacing person as well you know who who it, you know definitely doesn't care about the villagers and about the citizens and is kind of trying to just control um yeah they're extremely elitist what's yeah. weird is that they when they're talking to andrew garfield they're like we are better than those people which is like a very interesting I guess it, it, it harkens back to some of the feudal system, right? And they, they have this this deep respect for Andrew Garfield because they're like, well, you are a leader. Right? Yeah, yeah. You are a leader. 
amongst those those peasants, right? Um, they they're they're kind of regarding the lower classes like they know no better, right? Um, so yeah, and 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 I think that kind of leads into our to our conversation towards the ending, um, and how Andrew Garfield ends up making the decision that he does. So you've been warned with the spoiling. Um, if we haven't definitely given it all away at this point, but the breaking moment for Andrew Garfield is when he's reunited with Liam Neeson's character, um, who is now a scholar, uh, in, in Japan, he writes books against, uh, refuting what the gospel, um, proclaims as truth. Uh, and he is stuck sort of as this shell of himself, right? Um, and he's like, what? The, the big thing that cuts deep is he's like, what, what are you, who are you really saving if you're just not refuting your faith and letting all these people die, you know? Yeah. Uh, he's like, they are going to just keep killing people in front of you. Um, and so what is it? And that, and and then he says something where he's like, there's no doubt that they are martyrs. And he sort of alludes to them being like holy saints for what they're doing, dying. And then he looks at Andrew Garfield and he's like, you are not that. Yeah. There's nothing you can do about yeah. it. You are not that saint. And I think that moment is where it gets the worst, right? Uh, for him, because he is in true despair. Uh, when when Liam Neeson walks back at that at the at the crux of the decision, he's stuck in this cage and he's hearing people being tortured, and he's like, "Yes, I wrote this scripture on the wall. I wrote this stuff, like you know, praising praise to God." And he's like, "Those people dying out there are doing that. You are not. You know, yeah. you are are like uh, the worst kind for not." Um, for not making a decision uh, to save those people, right? Um, and that's a very, I think <laughs> that's a complex idea that Scorsese clearly has explored before, I think, in his representation of Judas, in the fictitious representation of Judas, although compelling, uh, and something I think about a lot, in Last Temptation which is the person who has to villainize himself truly to both communities um, and still wonder if there's a place in heaven for him if he believes it, mm. right? And I think that's kind of the, the core of what this movie's struggling with. I think that's what the Irishman openly discusses in it. And so... The film is called Silence, and it's a lot of prayers, or moments of Andrew Garfield praying um, with his relationship with God with no sound. And the first moment when he's looking down at at that that um like plate of Jesus that he's supposed to step on and denounce his faith. Um, there's a moment where like the voice of God like rings through. Um, and it made me 
so emotional watching that scene because um, I think it actually hits on who the character of Christ is. Mm. Um, I don't remember every line, but it's this sentiment. And that's what's weird about it is you think about it. You think about that scene where it's like, okay, that's the scene where God's voice talks. Could you like quote what he says? I, I don't know. I've only seen it once, but I don't think I could, you he know, says, um, step on me. Yeah. He said, but, but there's a sent the sentiment is so much more than like step on me. Like for me, when I saw the scene, it was like, I can handle it. Yeah. You know, yeah. there is something much more like, like, it's like, oh, that it like for a second, that is actually a believable God on a, on a Hollywood screen, you know? That's what, I think that's what was so shocking for me to watch it as someone um, who believes in Christianity is I was like, that's the first time I think I've ever seen God done correctly mm. in my eyes, you know? Um, a moment where God's like, I can take it, you know? He says, and come I, on now, it's all right. Step on me. I understand your pain. I was born into this world to share men's pain. I carried this cross for your pain. Your life is with me now. Step. That's what he says. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. It's pretty powerful <laughs> when you see it in the yeah. movie, I, I I think. And, you know, to I would, I would love to talk to Juzo about it. I'd love for Juzo to rewatch it. I don't know how he would feel about that, but... Um, I wonder if that moment had any any sort of like significance to him when watching it. Maybe it was just like, okay, you know, boring. Well, I think even um, in, you know, even taking it as the movie itself, this has been, you know, he's he's sort of been subtly hinting that um that Garfield's character um does not he he true you know, he believes and he's praying and he's doing all these things. Um, but he never, he, he is getting this sense of being, um, abandoned because he's not hearing back. Um, and so, right, right. so you, you do get the sense and you, you know, you could take it, uh, without the sort of religious, uh, connotation or anything, you can take it as this is, this is a powerful struggle, um, you know, in, within him as someone who's devoted to this lifestyle, who's devoted to, to the church and devoted to his faith. And this is a, an extremely difficult time that he's being put through and he's not hearing anything, you know, in a time where, where maybe you would be hearing something, you know, or you, you would think you, you should be hearing something. Um, yeah. yeah, I think one of the other interesting distinctions in his struggle is that he's consistently on his journey seeing Christ like he's he is becoming a Christ like figure in his own eyes. The reflection of like God's face is what he sees on himself, and he's celebrating that, and he's excited about that um and i think the great one of the greatest revelations in that final scene is that it's like you're not you're not god you know and you can't you're it's almost like one of i think it, it summarizes something that i think 
I've experienced as a Christian, which is there's like this sinking, profound revelation. You know, if you're trying to explore faith and you feel, I, I think there's like logical conclusions, there's emotional conclusions, but I think that there, there is something greater spiritually that's hard to put into words that I think this scene was able to somehow tap into, you know? Um, and, um, maybe not everyone has experienced that. I've definitely been moved, um, emotionally and, and, you know, logically by things in religion. Um, but to have an experience where you feel like something spiritual has happened to you, even if you don't believe that stuff. Um, I think that personally, I think that people can see something spiritual in their lives at one point or another. And they can look back and say, well, that was just something emotional. Or that was just something that, um, you know, it, it, it was just a logical combination of chemicals at that, at that moment. Um, but this movie hit into something that was like that, that spiritual deep punch. And I was like, I've never seen a movie. Like <laughs> I've never seen a movie get anywhere close yeah, to, to, to doing a, a moment like that. Right. Um, and sure I was bought in, I was invested, but like, I don't know that, that, that is, that's the amazing stuff. You know, I feel like God, the presence of God is a sense of wonder. And that's one of my favorite things to see in movies. Mm -hmm. Um, that's what I talk about that, that like some of my, my favorite movies like tap into, um, and I think there are moments in nature that tap into that but there's something that you'll never quite be able to put your finger on, you know, and you'll be like just blown away from it. And I think the, the gravity and the moral pressure that Andrew Garfield's experiencing in the scene is then responded to with something that is so far beyond the politics of Japan and that moment, the moral decisions of his personal play, place, the, the repercussions of his religious faith in that moment. Uh, and it drops like 10,000 pounds of bricks. And it's just like, I don't know. Like for me, I was like, wow. I just, I, I, I was completely wowed by that, by that scene. And I didn't cry or anything. I was just like, um, this movie might not be theologically perfect or sound. It doesn't quote scriptures, doesn't cover the entire gospel there and back. But um, the guy who made this movie has had a moment like that. Yeah. And I'm just connected. Yeah. Because of it. You know, I think that's the best way I could put it. No, absolutely. And I think, I think even the, the, the struggle that um, is going on is, infinitely relatable of um being in a place of of doubt and then you know having a moment where everything is so clear um to you you know and there's this that you know it feels like there there is actually this answer and god you know truly is speaking to you and that's the moment of of the critical decision you know and that that there's something about that that is 
um, extremely profound. I think I, I, there's you know, and it says in the in that verse that we were reading earlier. Um, before that, um, you know, he's sending out the twelve uh, disciples, and you know, he's sending them out into into Israel to, to, to preach and to, you know, cast away demons and to, um, you know, heal the sick and whatnot. And it says, um, but when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it at the time you will be given what to say for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. And that, I think that is, you know, truly reflected in this movie here too. You know, he's at the point of no return. He has to make a decision. And, you know, God steps in and and makes that, that call for him in some ways. Um, and it's just, yeah, it, it, it is a very moving moment because all up to this point, you're, you're with him wondering whether God um, is even here in this movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does he want that? What's going yeah. on? Right. Um, and I think the ending after that decision is even harder to come to terms to and overstays its welcome because it's almost like decompressing everything that happened for a moment mm-hmm. um, where you witness Liam Neeson and Andrew Garfield be these ghostly sort of figures who are, you know, robotically pointing out that's Christian, get rid of that. That's Christian, get rid of that. Um, and, uh, how, you know, there, there's a sense that there's something different between Andrew Garfield and Liam Neeson's character as well. Um, that they're not exactly the same. I mean, Liam Neeson's, um, abandonment of faith was a self saving decision and Garfield's was like he believed to be to be spoken by God right there yeah. and it's also a lot less selfless in 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 a heavy way um so the ending shows Garfield live out his days there um doing this work he runs back into um, who is that guy? Uh, Kichijiro. Uh, yeah, Kichijiro, the guy who kept betraying him, and he's like, "Hey, can you please, like, you know, uh, forgive me for my sins?" Right? Again, this is this is um, heavily Catholic as well, so not quite, not quite fully uh, what we would regard as the the modern church. There's a lot more symbolic reverence and things like that, like old school tradition and religion being shown in this movie. Um, although probably modern people think that's what they do at church anyways. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so he has a little moment where he's like, I'm not a pastor anymore, but they still are kind of meeting aware. Right. And then uh, Kijishiro gets caught with a cross and sent off. Um, so there's like this weird, like, oh, maybe it could be a sleeper thing. And then it's like, oh, Andrew Garfield then put over 24 hour surveillance to make sure that he's not practicing, which is pretty extreme. I was like, 
I was like, all right, you guys are really like making this. It was impossible for him to practice his faith. Uh, and then the ending with his funeral and zooms into the casket and he has a little cross in his hand. Right. Which is great. And I think what was cool. I, I love that. Yeah. You know, floating into the casket is right. 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 And he had a fully Buddhist funeral mm-hmm. and inside his, his casket, he's holding the cross, which is, I mean, reflecting on, you know, the debauchery of Hollywood and Martin Scorsese being <laughs> stuck in that, I think is, is quite cool. Um, and then even furthermore, right, looking at Japan in the in in the modern day and its ending statement being like thankful for the missionaries and the people of Japan that died, like honoring them for a second. There's something about Liam Neeson uh, and Liam Neeson's approach to refuting his faith that somehow feels like the long game. Mm hmm. I don't know what it is. It's hard to, they don't really dig into it. He's got a kind of like this Qui-Gon Jinn thing where he's like, <laughs> sure, we're going to be here refuting Christianity and continuing to talk about Christianity. Yeah. Um, which is like reverse, you know? And then he has all these lines where he's like, um, he's like the burned, uh, like Christian, where he's like, oh, look at these traitors who say they're Christian. You know, who? what do they even know about our God? He says like a line like that for a second, yeah. you know? And Andrew Garfield's like, oh, oh, you know, like, our oh, God. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Yeah, what do you, what do you mean, you know? Uh, where I thought we're not supposed to talk about and that. He's like, and he's like, he's like, did I say that? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, he's like, oh, he's like a true, like a true sleeper Christian. Yeah. And kind of the resonating presence um, that Christianity continued to have despite its ban almost is, is um, like, I, I feel like some Christians would watch that and be like, Oh, what a defeating, depressing movie. And it's like, I, I actually think that, you know, Christianity is in Japan now, you know, like it's, it is a, it is a present thing now. Right. So it's not like it was completely a lost cause for nothing. Right. Um, well, I think even, you know, without the, um, you know, without the context of, of if their, you know, if their struggle was, um, worth it or not or anything like that, I think even sort of just the personal, I think, I think Scorsese is really trying to attack the personal side of things. Um, you know, that, that sense of, of really dealing with your struggle in faith, um, yeah. and so, you know, the ending of the movie being them, you know, publicly denouncing, but, but sort of having this, um, this private, you know, true faith, maybe even truer faith than when they were, you know, priests or when they were, uh, sort of per- performatively, you know, doing these things. I think there's something that's very profound about that as well, even if, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's hard, it's hard cause there's, um, like you said, the movie's very complex in what it, what it thinks. And so I think either way, um, it has its negatives, right? You know, the fact that Liam Neeson's character is, is sort of openly writing books against it <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. Sorry. I, uh, I definitely, messed up i accidentally closed our session 
but anyways, we were talking about um, sort of Scorsese's personal. Uh, I don't really remember what I was talking about, to be honest. But um, I think the gist of it was that um, Scorsese has this, uh, you know, maybe his own personal struggle with faith, but that's really what he's sort of deeply contemplating in this movie. And so regardless of whether or not you think the uh, the Jesuits were, were right or wrong to be, you know, uh, you know, in a place where blah, 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 you know, I think, I think the movie takes a very, um, or I guess I was saying that you were saying how Liam Neeson was playing sort of the long game. And so whether or not that, that ended up working, I think he was, Scorsese was really commenting about, um, their own sort of private faith, um, and the way that they, you know, the way that they, they practice that. And, and I think Garfield's character being, you know, instructed on, um, this way to renew his faith or, you know, to, to, you know, to denounce his faith publicly, um, it gives that a lot more sort of nuance where, you know, maybe for the first time in his life, we don't really know, but maybe for the first time in his life, he's, he's getting this instruction from directly from God. He's hearing God's voice. And, you know, that's when he publicly has to say he doesn't believe, but that's probably when he has believed the most because he's he's actually hearing the voice of God um, mm. in in his life, and so you know there is something very profound about um, about that as well, where you know sort of the deeper Garfield's character gets into this um, this hole, the actual you know the the clearer he can see um, God on the other side, which yeah. is very. Um, I think that's I think that's very personal to to a lot of people. I would say. Hmm. Yeah, I think um, there's a great reflection on Hollywood with this, as most Scorsese movies have. Um, you can imagine that there that it's um probably difficult to practice faith in Hollywood in, in some places um, and how that can separate you from some opportunities. And so I think there's a, there's a part of this that plays into that. Um, and I also think that this movie over dramatizes the experience that you can have as a Christ follower um, where there are different sort of like phases of, of walking with God and a lot of Christians don't talk about this, but I think it's probably one of the most important conversations that needs to happen. If you're, if, if you have a faith and you're practicing it is that your, your faith doesn't remain stagnant. And as a matter of fact, the Bible talks about how it's not really supposed to, um, where there's a process, um, of sort of like, God refining your heart and working on you. And, and it's not like, like, I feel like a lot of Christians have this experience where they, um, 
they are like crazy and pumped up and evangelical right when they start. But that feeling and that experience as a Christian doesn't really last um, forever, right? And they're not that way in particular. Or there's a season where they're very plugged in with a church and then suddenly that church has something weird happen and they're disconnected. Uh, or that church closes or goes away. And then they're like, well, you know, what? what is my faith at this point, right? Um, I think what this movie does that's, that's pretty cool is that um, it captures that feeling of being a part of a movement that's exciting and cool and then seeing it fall apart, then being singled out and rejected from any chance of returning to that environment and still being faced with the decision of like, like what, what do you think? Like, like where are you actually at with God? Right. Um, and so that, that's like a pretty difficult, <laughs> um, pretty difficult space to explore, I would say. And I think this movie taps into some, some of that, um, without, without a lot of answers, right? This movie, I, I, and I like what you're saying, Cameron, you keep saying like, this is just an exploration. This isn't necessarily like, uh, a full hard comment. And a lot of the reviews that I'm reading on Google seem to want to think it's one way, um, or the other. So, well, we should read, can you read me a couple of reviews? Yeah, yeah, let's do some. I wanted to start with this one that's kind of been summarizing some of the stuff that we've been talking about. It's a five-star review. It's from a Christian perspective. Um, And this is what they had to say about it. The concept was good, and I want to share something with you. Christianity is not an easy life. We suffer, and we suffer like Christ our Lord, but in this movie there are dialogues like um, he doesn't answer and he will not help us. Yes, he will not. Trying to be like Christ is what Christianity is about. Um, I don't like the ending scene. Uh, he gave up his faith. Uh, isn't that, that is not a good ending. If you're a Christian, you should be ready to die like him. Which is weird. Like, they, there's something about this review that's like, but they gave it five stars, right? <laughs> they, um, they're like, yeah, being a Christian is hard. Um, he sh- They said... He should die for his faith. He wasn't given that option, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's true. You know? Um, Wait, the question is, should other people die for his faith? <laughs> that, that is the weirdest thing about this group of reviews. Is it feels like they didn't... Um, they didn't really... Like, everybody is is taking this film and completely spinning it in a different direction. Right. And all these reviews, this one's three <laughs> stars. Right. Um, he, he starts by saying, I'm a, I'm a secular Hindu. Uh, and it poses a question to me. If the gospels thought that God was found in oneself, then why would the filmmaker try to pose a question of clinging to the crucifixion as a sign of faith or trampling it as, uh, a renunciation. Like it just seems like people are getting hung up on the religious, um, like, uh, mechanics of the religion or something like that. So maybe that's why the verse wasn't (laughs) shown at the beginning. Right. Um, I, this other one says five stars, like as a, uh, as a Christ follower, 
it kind of gets the words right than just mixing it. Uh, not everything should be taken absolute in this film, uh, but it did share an overall good thing, uh, depicting how hard and challenging it can be uh, and challenges that people face through. Some kind of a weird review there. Um, so yeah, there's there's like, uh, I thought that was kind of the most interesting thing is that people, um, people seem to interpret this movie like, in very harsh directions or they'll take it, they'll take it and start spinning it into their own reasons why like it really, like it doesn't fit within the religion or it, it, um, it's kind of, it's kind of like, it's made them even more confused. And I think that is, that is why, I mean, I have, we haven't really got our, to our recommendations and I'm going to find one, one other um, review that I wanted to read, but this is where I'm the most hesitant with suggesting this movie to people because I feel like it's for a very specific person. I talked to someone who worked for a church that I was like, look, man, I watched this boring movie. Uh, it's pretty slow and it's all about like faith. And my friend works for a church and I was like, you know what? It's a tough film to get through, but I really do feel like it. There's something there for you. Like, I feel like this movie you, you would probably like, you know, um, mm-hmm. whereas talking to someone like my dad, I was like, dad, I watched this movie. I liked it, but I, I don't know if you would like it. I feel like I would get uh, ridiculed <laughs> if I showed this movie to him. And it's not even because the movie has really? anything bad in it. You know, like that's the other thing that's weird is that I feel like he would just be like, well, you know, like he would, he would have a, it would, it would be easier to write the film off than to engage Mm. with it. And most of the time, yeah, a movie that you write off has some very explicit, horrible thing in it that you're like, that's bad. We don't watch that. And this movie doesn't have that. So that's what I think is, is kind of interesting. Yeah. It's pretty straightforward (laughs) is that it's a straightforward. It's kind of like, it's slower. It's like, they're going to be like, Oh, we write it off because, of one little thing or, or like it's, it's, it's easier to just shut it down than to like really struggle with it. And I don't, I, I, I feel like if I hear I this review, the... if I heard Sorry. myself review this movie, I would later, I'd be like, have a, I'd, I'd have even more thoughts or different feelings. Cause I just think, feel like it's extremely dense, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I was going to say, I, I feel like, the the thing that people are going to criticize about or Christians I guess specifically maybe your dad uh, would criticize about this movie um, is really the um, the ending decision and of uh, you know den- publicly denouncing the faith and and I think you know that is where some of these reviews I mean but that but that is actually what I think is the most interesting part of the movie is that this is a very complicated question. Um, and it's not something that you could just write off and say, um, oh yeah, you know, they got that wrong. He should, he should just, you know, he should just die. You know, he's, he should be the martyr and whatnot. I think it's easy to, to say that, or even to say, you know, they, they shouldn't have depicted God speaking, you know, because that's, that's blasphemous or whatever. Um, you know, it's, it's easy. Oh, please. I, I, I mean, like, that is like, 
I, I said it again. Like, this is one of the only movies I think I feel like I've heard the voice of God somewhat accurately represented. Even if, even if you know, if I die and get to heaven, God's like, look, man, I don't sound anything like that. Or I wouldn't have said that. And I'm like, okay. But at least that felt like a little bit in the range of the character of God. You know? but, that, but it's also just a genuine expression of, um, you know, first of all, it's based off of off of that book. So, um, you know, it's a genuine expression of the 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 belief of that moment. And yeah, in some ways, it's probably a genuine expression of of Scorsese's experience with with God, you know. So who who are we to say, you know, we should discount his own you know, personal experience, maybe, maybe not, obviously I'll just put that out there, but, um, you know, if it is, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's certainly something to consider. Are um, you going to tell me that like old Hollywood biblical epics capture God's voice better than this? Are you going to tell me that God's not dead? Like, I don't even, I watched mo- that movie as someone in high school. I was like, I don't, I don't remember any God in that movie. I don't like, think there is any. Like the presence that would of, be like the any exploration of who can, God is is not but shown. Wait, can in you that imagine movie. this? Can, Isaac, <laughs> can you imagine this? They you know, he's God's not dead. Um he's sitting in that classroom. He's he's arguing back and forth with the pro- professor. It's you know, it's hardcore now. He's going to flunk him in this class. And then God appears to him. <laughs> Uh, you know the 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 sound goes all the way down, and and the voice of God says says, "Do this move. It'll really it'll really kill him. You know you'll win the debate after this." Yeah, which is not at all. I mean, like, come on, come on. In my experience, God doesn't God doesn't help you win debates. Your own sinful soul does. So. <laughs> Yeah, no, Here, exactly. I mean, here's probably one of the best reviews to 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 cap off some of the Google reviews here. I know I've been reading a bunch of them, but it's like I'll read some of it, and then halfway through they go into this tangent about something else. So, uh, by the way, the book is called The Virgin Spring. I think that's what this review says. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm wrong. Okay, one of the best films of the 2010s, and is Scorsese's best film to date. A manifold's things to analyze here. The film leaves no easy answers similar to The Virgin Spring. With that being said, this is not a film that feels lost within its own ideas. What lies here is an incredibly oriented or incredible orientation of environments with the actors, artistically rich ending, and an impressive performance. Um, the areas feel like they song and should be uh, burnished more, but this remains the strongest amongst the previous decades best. I I mean I th- I might yeah, I think this is probably my favorite Scorsese movie. Wow. It's it's incredibly deep. Yeah. I, I mean coming coming off of um Wolf of Wall Street which is just like uh, grotesquely over the top in a weird impressive way right <laughs> I'm not denying that you know sporadically entertaining and you know teetering on some kind of meaning towards the end to go into this where it's just like I, I don't it, it, it feels meditative 
Um, And I think what's strange is that it feels like it says something actually true about God and his character, even if it does it in its own self-reflective way. Mm -hmm. It, like... It's weird. It This guy says that it feels lost within its own ideas. Or it doesn't feel lost within its own ideas, but it do, uh, to me I'm like it is really sort of like floating around this space. It doesn't feel definitive even though it expresses um like that great truth. Um, and that's why I keep going back to that, like kind of wonder spiritual experience with this movie. Uh, and I've never seen a movie try to tap into it on such a personal level. Um, yeah. And so it, it, it feels difficult for me to really, really wrap it into words. Um, but. Well, I think, I mean, we were talking about a, a bit of our recommendations and I, this is like a movie that I basically only would recommend to like you, someone like you. Yeah, no, totally. Um, I, I, I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> um, cause it's hard. It's really hard. It's like, it, it's, it's a movie that comes with a lot of prerequisites, I think for enjoyment. Um, and I think in terms of the accessibility of, you know, you really do have to have some sort of connection with Scorsese in some way. Um, you, or, you know, that's to get a sort of deeper, You maybe you don't have to, but that's when I'm coming to it, that's like something that I'm thinking about. Um, and I think the religious aspect of it is what makes it a meaningful movie for both of us in that it's really tackling some some extremely difficult conversations that you know you probably wouldn't even get uh in in a lot of church services maybe like the the you know the most difficult ones yes but sometimes you know you know we all we all know you know sometimes some services are are uh you know, scratching the surface a little bit, <laughs> you know, no problem there. Uh, but, but this, I think this movie really digs down, um, and is, is trying to explore something deep, um, whether or not it's, it's flawed. I mean, we, you know, we could, we could argue about it, but, but I think regardless, it's a powerful, powerful movie, um, because of its, um, dedication, I think, to this, to this idea and, you know, the way that it really explores, um, something that is so, you know, so deep to, to people like you and me. And so that's why I think it's, it's a difficult wreck because, you know, I'm not gonna, I wouldn't, you know, say that this is like a general movie that everybody should watch. Um, I wouldn't even say it's necessarily a, a movie that all Scorsese fans are going to need to watch. Um, maybe a little bit in order to, to sort of get some of the mindset of, of him in his, you know, 
this later part of his career, I'd say. But in some ways, this is this is a movie that I would recommend to, um, you know, people who are seriously contemplating faith and people who are, you know, in that in that world. Um, and I kind of like what you said, where where it's like I think if if you are a Christian, um, this movie for one is is probably going to challenge certain things, but also um, it's a very it's probably a good recommendation for anybody who who is a believer and you know wants to mm. struggle with um, with these concepts rather than a movie like God's Not Dead or something that is, you know, popcorny and stupid, basically. Um, why not chew on something that is chewable, <laughs> you know, yeah. something like this. So Now, I would like to address something that we talked about just briefly in regards to Peter, but I decided to filter the reviews to one star. And sure enough, most mostly Christians are here in the one star category. <laughs> so I have I have this new uh-huh. found burning rage, and I promise I'll try to wrap it up quickly, Cameron. But this is this is this is what I would like to do. If you're a Christian that watched this movie, you want to give it a one star. If you believe that this movie is blasphemous and evil, I would like to challenge you with a little <laughs> Bible study prompt at the end of this. <laughs> this is a review from somebody. Uh, a Herman. If you are a Catholic, I would not recommend it. Did not finish it. The priest renounces his faith after hearing Jesus give him permission. Disgusting. I wasted three hours of my life. (laughs) Okay. Next review. This movie is not Christianity. Would not recommend. Matthew 10.33 but whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. I hope you read all of Matthew chapter 10, by the way. Here is my challenge to you as a Christian. Not only do we have Peter's life to look at, who denied Christ three times in front of him and is now the rock of the church. But I would like to challenge you if you believe that denying Christ um, is the core of your salvation, uh, because that is not necessarily what the Bible says. Whoever, you're going to quote Matthew 10, whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. And the first thing that I... I thought of when I was reading all these reviews that were saying like, um, you know, this is blasphemous because of that one verse is I thought, how many times have you denied Christ when men are not present and how much more worse is that? And I just want that to sink in for a second, because if you believe that only not denying Christ in front of men is what guarantees you walking through those gates. I'll tell you that um, you're going to be talking to a God that you denied in private, uh, Mm. that was there with you in private. Um, And so I just, 
I, I kind of wanted to put that out there. Um, I don't know. I think the movie taps into something deep and to put Matthew 10 33 in front of it makes me feel like you didn't read the rest of the gospel. Um, so to the Christians that want to hate on it because of that one verse, make sure you finish the book of Matthew. You can read the other four gospels as well. Uh, and you can think about that question. Um, I just had to say that it just, to me, it's disappointing to read one star reviews like that. Uh, It makes me, it makes me sad. Uh, Well, even, even then, I don't really understand why that would make it a one star movie because it is, um, it's making them think about it, you know? (laughs) Right. I mean, isn't that, isn't that kind of interesting, you know, regardless of whether or not you agree with it? I just, uh, I don't really understand, uh, people like this who is like, I disagree one star. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, but I mean, that was the first thing that came to my mind. Is it, is it so much better to not deny Christ in front of people when you're probably denying him in front of him all the time, you know? Um, so Yeah. I love it. It's getting to the core of something. Mm-hmm. I agree. And it is, yeah, I mean, whether or not you connect with this movie um, on a personal level, I think you can't deny that there is something engaging about the story, engaging about the pacing. Um, the filmmaking, I think, is is top-notch as always. And um, it, it's impressive on that regard. Although... I did read a review, another one star that said, uh, <laughs> um, terrible acting, dodgy accents. Oh, that's <laughs> stupid. That is so stupid. The acting is, man. The acting's and, really top notch. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's excellent. Um, whether or not the accents are like accurate to, uh, to 17th century uh, Spaniards in Japan, you know, who knows? I mean, I'm sure it's not, but that's, that's not really, I'm not concerned about that personally, <laughs> man. I just, I just, and another thing, just speaking on for, for Christians, you might, I mean, I would much prefer this kind of movie over Wolf of Wall Street. I'm sure some of those one-star reviews gave Wolf of Wall Street four, Maybe. you know, it was not really about my Christian stuff, you know, or, or, oh, well, they'll probably, they probably like Goodfellas. Oh, Goodfellas. That's a solid four, you know, but this movie, no one. <laughs> it's like, come on guys. Like this is the core. This is what you got to dig into. You know, you say you believe this stuff, right? Um, what is faith without doubt? Mm, mm, right. True. Ask a question. <laughs> well so I think, I think that pretty much wraps it up yeah, yeah I think so too um do we recommend this movie hesitatingly maybe uh to some people <laughs> if you've listened to this review and you're at all intrigued give it a shot if if Definitely. you 
are a Christian and you listen to this review and you're not like, these guys are absolutely satanic and evil, you'll probably find something here. I really hope that you don't feel that way about us. It's weird. Um, it's, it is weird when you read stuff like that where it's like, it's like, oh, this is terrible. That's uh, so blasphemous. One star. It's like, do, do these people really have to be so close-minded to certain things? I mean, is it necessary? Yeah, they're probably the same Christians that hate Joel Olstein, but that guy isn't denying Christ at all. I hate Joel Olstein. So, <laughs> so <laughs> I never met him, so I try not to say well, anything. You know, that's yeah. all I'm going to say. Hatred <laughs> is a strong word. I'll yeah, say. that's a little intense. Yeah, you know. For You're sure. going to run into him at a coffee shop, Cameron. Well, you it's going to be your I mean, own fault. Hey, maybe. Tell me God isn't real when you run into Joel Olsen. I'll talk, I'll talk to him. We'll, we'll sit down. We'll have a conversation. You know, I'll buy him a latte. Say, but why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, I think that wraps it up. Um I'm glad we got uh, got around to watching this movie because it was one that has been on my list probably since the day we started this podcast, honestly. I think this movie is so complex, so interesting, and it's one that we're going to be thinking about in the future, I think, when we, when we look at maybe more Scorsese movies, um, but even just thinking about in terms of how to make a film that hits on sort of a deeper level. Um, I think this one's going to come up for sure in the future so yeah no definitely cameron you will not be here next week nope. do you have any recommendations for what you and i are gonna watch, watch it again i think i kind of want to i've been kind of uh thinking about trying to maybe torture juza with something Ooh. i don't know why what are you gonna torture him with god's not dead <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh that would be amazing. He's always said that uh, that he wants to watch those movies. Um, oh so, gosh, you um, know what would be interesting is the hot Christian movie that everyone's talking about. What is that movie called? I don't. The I, Jesus Movement or whatever. I don't. I have no idea. <laughs> I have not seen it, but people say it's not bad. People that I know hate on movies that those kind of movies were like, dude, it, it was not. It was. Uh, Jesus Revolution bad. is that what? Yeah, you're... Jesus Revolution. This yeah. looks awful. I just <laughs> maybe we maybe I should watch it with Juzo and see what oh, he thinks. Oh man, um, it's a it's a true it's based on a true story about um those hippies. It's like this church. The story is about like some pastor who has an old time church that's like all persnickety, and he gets this idea to invite like a, he like picks up this hippie or something and he like invites him to church. And then the hippie's like, yeah, like I should just bring like all my friends here. <laughs> and so like all these hippies that are like trashy with no shoes start showing up and all the church people get really upset. I think it sounds like a pretty good, uh, a pretty good write up. So, yeah. um, and apparently people have really enjoyed it that I know saw it. All right. But well, yeah. I, um, I'll, I'll ask, I think, I think it would be fun if you tortured Juzo with some, terrible movies because you you know juzo says i watch some bad movies and that's true but i think you watch some truly terrible movies (laughs) (laughs) i think i you know the one that's really (laughs) resounding with me what (laughs) is transformers one uh well you know i think i don't think he's ever seen it i know i know that's why i mean because he was talking about ambulance 
uh, L.A. Ambulance or whatever. Ambulance. And I yeah. watched that on the plane, and I was like, you know, that movie's bad. Was, yeah, it's not. I was like, good. that movie's kind of bad. But like, if he likes this, you know, maybe he would like. I think he would like Transformers One. Yeah, one hundred. I think Transformers One slaps, dude. Like, well, do I, it. Like, it, do Transformers it's so One. Fun. I think so. The thing about Ambulance, and we, I think we talked about it when we, um, when I watched it, that movie, you know, it's like half of a good movie. And then half of yeah. a really awful movie. Cause there's some th- parts where you're like, man, this is awesome. I love it. You know, he, she's like, she's, she's cutting him open and like sewing his spleen back together. You know, that's cool. But, uh, there are other parts of that movie that are total, total just garbage. <laughs> so awful. And it looks bad. Uh, and he really just needs, he needs someone who can control him, his worst impulses. That's what Michael Bay needs. Uh, like a producer so <laughs> but hmm. anyways um we've been going on too long we're gonna cut it off we'll see you i hope i can edit this i hope it works we'll see you next week cinema spectator is an ecfs productions podcast that is fully funded on patreon.com Shout out to our producers, Darren O'Neill, for supporting the show and to the rest of you that support us at patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. If you want to learn more about the benefits you can get, check out our Patreon. The show cannot happen without you great listeners, so we thank you for all your kindness and support.